0: The Outstanding Society was asked to provide a learning lounge at the residential and home care show held at the XL London in April 2023. We were very lucky to have such amazing panellists throughout the show, which made the sessions not only informative, but also fun. This podcast is recording of one of our panel discussions. Food for Thought, supporting people in our care with nutrition and hydration. Sanjay Droner and Caroline Kosh investigate the impact that food, nutrition and hydration can make to your service users' health and wellbeing. James Ball and Preston Walker from Oak House Kitchen join the panel to provide their insight.
1: Hello everyone, my name is Sanjay Droner, I'm the Managing Director of the Close Care Home in Burcott, Oxfordshire as well as being a director on the amazing, outstanding society. We're going to talk about Food for Thought and the impact that food, nutrition, meal times, dining experiences, IDSI, texture modification, all has in an outstanding service, be it in a care home, domiciliary care, and more importantly, from the boys at Oak House, the way that we do it. So, um, James, can you introduce yourself?
2: My name's James Ball. I'm one of the co-founders of Oak House Kitchen. I've worked in health and social care catering for 15 years or so, across a multiple of aged care type settings, from large ones with trolley services out to different areas and small ones with Preston uh, in his family care home as well. So.
1: Caroline.
3: Hi. Hi, everybody can you hear me yeah yeah hi hi everybody I'm Caroline Kosh, and I'm managing director from Clifton Home Care so we're a dom care company based up in Lancashire and one of the non-exec directors from the OS
4: so afternoon everyone so yeah Preston Walker co-founder with James Oak House Kitchen so I'm a chef by trade and spent many years working in social care I grew up with my family care home uh, for many years um, so I've also had quite a, a big role within itzi as well. Um, before implementation in the UK, I was the the only chef, the only lonely chef on the on the uh, committee discussing whether it be implemented in the UK. And still now, myself and James support the organisation.
1: So just just as a point of view, do you want do you want me to use the handheld? Okay, it's there. Okay, cool. Um, if at any point you can't hear, just start making waves or whatever for that, well, it's easily fixed.
3: They are struggling now, You are struggling?
1: It? Shall I go handheld? Yeah. yeah. Right. Sorry. Ruth's Ru- going to do the questions later, but just from a, it's a little bit... Hello. Yeah. hello, hello. Hi. Okay, is that better? Yes, yeah. I can hear. So, what is it that Oak House actually do? Because I, d- I don't have an answer yet and I'm just confused.
4: So, uh, Oak House Kitchen, so we, we, we support many sort of organizations working in healthcare. So, our expertise really is around um, the, the food service delivery. You know, I guess we're, we're, we're most known for supporting businesses with um, dysphagia food service systems. Um, so, chefs have uh, a methodical way to approach food modification. Um, we've got various training, uh, e-learning and practical training that, that chefs can do. But also as well we have uh, care team training which is mapped to level 3 of the Eat and Drink and Swallow and Competency Framework. So we, we've got a lot of colleagues that we work with within the sector. We work with um, East Sussex NHS Trust and their clinical team down there to, um, to develop the training. And we've had it validated by different hospitals we had a, a pilot imp- implementation project with a hospital in the states of Guernsey uh, where they used our training in an acute setting on acute straight ward and um, you know, we've had very positive results from it but I'd like to think our skill set is broader than just uh, texture modification you know a lot of experience in all kind of medical diets and also you know, hosp- my background is mainly hospitality and there's a lot from
1: hospitality that we can bring over to the healthcare sector, which I think has been very beneficial. So with that, who has a solid and grounded understanding of what Itsi and texture modification actually is? How, can I have a show of hands? Got one, got two. I'm not reassured with concept. You don't, okay. So let's, James, give me what is itsy and what does it mean? And what did it mean previously? And what does it mean now? So. So the way that
2: dysphagia, so texture modification for people with swallowing difficulties, has evolved, is that it's been it's been done locally, where someone would, would modify the texture so someone would stop coughing or would be able to eat or drink locally. And as uh, healthcare systems are global and people move around within them uh, regularly, people working in them and people moving from site to site around the country, but even around the world, it's been uh, safeguarding, uh, and it was it was. Uh, it was brought to our attention by NHS Improvement uh, and Patient Safety, that a standardised terminology was required so that there was safeguarding everywhere in the world. And Peter Lamb and Julie Chiricho set up the IDSI framework, the IDSI um, initiative, in order to do that. And they've managed to... I think they've got somewhere in the region of 60 countries globally that are using it, it's increasing, and they have a lot of resources. Um, Idzi itself, though, is is a is a language. It's just a definition of texture that you can test in the kitchen or at the patient bedside or with the resident to ensure that texture meets the requirements of a of a speech language therapist or a Cause, clinical. Because back in the day,
1: because back in the day when I started in social care, it was either fork mashable or puree. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. There was two things, and a lot of the time, it was the bowl of slop that people have as an understanding of what our sector used to produce, or B, it was the uh, pre-formed puree dishes with that were thickened, obviously, to the right consistency, and then put up. Now, what we do at The Close, eh, from a food perspective, is we used to offer um, the texture-modified diet, so we had the different bowls of the different consistencies, but more importantly, we used to remould food So peas would look like peas, carrots would look like carrots. However, there was no equality there. And this is the problem that we really faced. We don't believe that... So, for example, yesterday at the close, we had... It was a Chinese menu day. Or I think that's today. Sorry, it was... Yeah, no, it was yesterday I was there. It was a Chinese menu day, and you've got residents all over the home having chow mein, and you've got this, and you've got beef with um, spring onions and... and then, if you're on an itsy diet, you were having a preformed piece of fish with peas and carrots. Great. So, today's a taco day, and you're having tacos and Mexican food around the building. And if you're on itsy diet, you're having a preformed chicken breast with peas and carrots. And we realized there wasn't that equality and consistency offered throughout the whole service. And actually, table side, just because I'm on an itsy diet and you're eating a regular, um, Untexture modified meal. You have all this extra choice, and thus you have this freedom and dignity that you're restricting from me. Hello, Carolina from the Care Workers Charity. Everyone support them. Um, but what's really, really brilliant is that if you, if you actually put it into place, so now we have like for like texture modified meal options at every meal. So we do it for breakfast. So we have full English breakfasts that we texture modify. We have lunch, we have dinner. So every lunchtime, the resident picks and those chefs will re-modify every single meal according. And that is a complete choice. So in the morning, when you pick what you want, um, that is made up for you, including at tea time with sandwiches and whatever. So we do the whole fleet, we do that all in-house and actually we, we, we work together in finding the best ways of managing that process sometimes. So that's the way that we approach it and we manage to tick off. Again, we were talking about those quality statements and making sure that actually it's the equality of the service, sorry, equity and service that residents receive, which is under caring quality statements. If you can show that, and we can show that just by offering that one meal, that we have equity around our dinner table, that everyone gets the choice of the dinner that they have, no matter what modification or level of salt assessment they have.
2: And your, your, your catering team came on our first ever oral course. So we've developed, um, we've, been, we, we've been working the training of this for some time. And what we realised, we knew, but we realised very quickly that every single setting is different. Right? It doesn't matter whether you have a group of homes, even the way that they operate will be slightly different uh, to some degree. And so we have principles that you can apply to any ingredients, whether it's a, a particular cultural diet, whether it's something that is, has to have some allergen, a, spe- a specific nature to it. And you can apply reform processes from regular recipes, and it comes out at the different levels. And that opens up the ability with the chefs to, to do what they do with your lot. So that's a lot of chef
1: focused understanding and learning caroline you run domiciliary care services how does food nutrition dining experience and yes it's the impact your work and the te- work of your teams
3: can i just get a feel for who is from dom care here have we? Oh, brilliant. Oh, fabulous. That's more than I thought. But this that is exactly is why
1: we needed Caroline on our board, because we want to make sure that we're inclusive of the Dom Care providers.
3: Because the care is, is, is fundamentally the same, isn't it? Irrespective of whether it's residential or whether it's domiciliary care. But the challenges are different, and, and, and I've experienced both, both Dom Care and residential And in domiciliary care, you're often uh, dictated around your time management. So if you're local authority funded, you know you may only get 30-minute visits, 20-minute contact time, and what can you start to prepare from scratch in that 20 minutes? And then when you're taking patients out of hospital who may have um, requirements in terms of ITSI, so um, softened diets or thickened fluids, you've then got to start planning that literally upon discharge on a late Friday afternoon when you know you're not gonna get much support over the weekend, this person's new to you, or they were a prior service user or client to you, but their needs have now changed. So home care brings about a whole different set of challenges. For us, uh, how we overcome that, we extended our minimum care visit time duration, and and that is for predominantly private, although we do argue about that if people certainly have got IDDSI needs, um, with the funder for safety. So our minimum care visit time is 45 minutes, with a, a 40 minute pretty much care contact time, and, and then you can do a little bit more although yeah we are largely reliant upon ready meal type situations aren't we in Domka and not ideal we in in line with it see people are going to be at risk of malnutrition so we uh, assessment point of assessment we take the the stats of that person so their height their weight and then we calculate their risk of, of malnutrition based on the must and then we we weigh on a regular basis according to what the must advises us to do and then we advise um, fortification of foods you know with your milk powder with your cheese with your creams etc ahead of that dietitian referral to try and quash the the, the risks that, that that risk of malnutrition will bring um, that, that's how we're managing it. And then just to bring another complexity, and I don't know how many of you are recruiting from overseas, but we certainly are now, and we, we've witnessed um, a, a, a culture difference in terms of meals, so what what um, people from overseas will, will generally eat to, to what our, um, our, our population, our demographic eats. Um, and, and we are having to then train staff in terms of basic food um uh, so cooking uh, skills because again a lot of younger people now i'm not not saying just younger people i don't do a lot of cooking myself to be fair Husband does that but you know a lot of younger people now lack those basic skills that i think historically we all gained didn't we through parents school whatever so but going back to the drawing board back to the training looking at what we're doing for staff to support them to provide, whether it's um, modified foods or not, to meet the needs of the client.
1: But Caroline, on that international thing, we've recruited a number of international staff, and I was telling the, the guys this the other day when I saw them. We had, on Christmas Day, we had residents being served Christmas dinner, and normally the chefs, well, almost all of the meal times, the chefs go up and serve at the trolley. I went into the, the trolley in one of our lounges, And I was really confused at what the resident was eating. And I was like, what's that? And because this person is international, they've never had an English proper Christmas dinner or even a proper full on roast dinner. And they had served the turkey with the brandy sauce and put bread sauce with the Christmas pudding. Now, when you think about it, this is perfectly understandable because why the hell would you have brandy sauce on a when you've got a savory item there aesthetically so they just saw the names and hadn't quite realized and that's when we realized the importance of the chefs yeah. going up and actually teaching so we have um, chefs that go up with they take the trolley up the kitchen porter doesn't um we don't have sort of these kitchen assistants that do it it's actually the the the, the proper catering chefs that go up and the chefs will plate up a few meals in front of them which is really important because a it's time in front of the resident because a lot of kitchen teams are stuck in the kitchen and we're going to come on to this but it's it means that residents see the people who are cooking their food Um, then we have they're actually teaching and imparting knowledge with the carers about how food should be plated because it just means that you know you eat so much with your eyes and if it's just plonked on a plate versus if it's actually presented. Now, you know when you make that extra special little bit of effort at home for that dinner part, how it feels, so why can't we instill that to our carers and our residents? Um, so that's something. We find, even before we got to the close and it was there, our kitchen team were very siloed. They did not work effectively with the rest of the building. Preston, what can I? What can other providers do? We are not in that position now. Um, but what can other providers do to stop their kitchen teams or even their carers feeling silent, especially when they're alone, yeah. Caroline, out in the field? So, Preston.
4: I mean, this is something that we were we were discussing yesterday, and you know,
1: nutrition really isn't just the
4: sole responsibility of of one team. You know, it is the communication and the support around that to optimize those opportunities to get good nutrition in, pe- in people is so important. So it's about you know we used to how our my family care was slightly different to the closed care home we were only a 25 bedroom home we're very fortunate to have a kitchen right next to the dining room we used to deliver a plated meal service we used to go straight out to the residents we used to make the chefs go and face their critics you know they would do the serving and they would get the feedback you know positive or negative but you know that's really really good in building a picture of of what's you know, that resident likes enjoys you know, monitoring what they, what they eat and making sure that you can track trends if there's particular times of the day. You know, as, as the care team are getting people up in the morning, if we know someone's at risk of malnutrition, there's an opportunity there to get people excited about the next meal that's coming up and talk to them about food and choices and the things that they like or if something is on the menu that they may, may not like, um, you know, what else is there available? What can we offer someone that's gonna entice them and and promote that eating,
1: Caroline. How can you how can you s- help your carers support the people that you care for in a domiciliary setting with that?
3: So I think this comes back to a point that was discussed on one of the earlier talks. It's that person centred care planning, isn't it? And and it, and we said this before. It's so easy to talk about, but but really challenging and time consuming and complex to actually deliver and get right, but it's getting to know that person. You know, we, we once cared for a chap with, with fairly advanced dementia living at home, and his preferred cooked meal time was was breakfast. Now that, that did seem a bit bizarre, cooking a, a, a hot meal at ten o'clock in the morning, not not seven, but um you know, but that was the time of day that he chose to eat. There were other complexities with him around diabetes and it helped maintain and stabilise his blood sugars for the day, so it's it's looking at that individual person. We've got another lady currently who um, goes out to eat once a week with a, with a care staff member, and she absolutely looks forward to that. She doesn't eat a huge portion when she's at home, but clears a you know a three course meal when she goes out to the to the pub or a restaurant. So we try to do a lot of outings to bring our clients into the community which helps them look forward to that next outing and look forward to what, choosing what they're going to eat off the menu. Um, but it is challenging, and, and I'm not sat here from a care point of view thinking I know it all, because I definitely don't. And if any of you out there who said you were from Care settings, you think that you're doing something that's magical, you know, that's really changing lives or, or, or helping, feel free to give some input of that. You know, We, we would like to hear back back from you guys as well
1: something that we've done very much so that works now it's about how we evidence it so it's good enough to say right you're doing really great meal times how can you show that it impacts the quality of life for the resident it's not they've just had a good dinner so what we did at the close is um, if you read our inspection report you'll see how much food and nutrition and dining experience is about in the report, I actually credit our meal times with helping us achieve our outstanding rating massively. So something that we did, which was quite um, smart in the way that we tracked it. So steal ideas and have no shame, first of all. Somebody else has done the work for you and they're better at it. So in my case, it was Heston Blumenthal. Now you would think how the hell can you relate working in a care home and a care home kitchen to the work that Heston does, being a three Michelin star or two Michelin star chef. He's done all that work around creating experience around those residents. Do you remember when he does those seashells that, and I had only seen it, I've never eaten at the Fat Duck in Bray, but it was a seashell that he had an iPod stuffed into that would play the sea music. This guy's smarter and has more time than I do, so I'm gonna steal that idea so every Friday, we do fish and chips. We have two set items on our menu only every week, and that's the fish and chips on a Friday and our roast on a Sunday. Now, when it came to the fish and chips, we were like, how can we stimulate our residents to eat more, and what can we do to, their, to build their appetite? So we went onto Amazon and bought these little four-pound little boxes, filled them full of toxic, um, toxin-free um, safe sand, and put little deck chairs, um, little buckets, spades, and created a seaside scene. Because the residents we care for didn't go on international holidays. They went on national holidays. And what they identify as seaside, fish and chips, that smell, that sound. So we built the sound in. So on the TVs, YouTube, isn't it amazing? We got seaside music put in. So we have the, we have the seagull sounds just streamed in. So that's in the background. Then we built, you've got those um, in Poundland, you've got those little fish and chip. Uh, sorry, little spray things when you're doing your toiletries. So we got those and filled one full of a mix of salty water and some vinegar. We spritz that at the table before the meals come. This is all building appetite and expectation for residents that live with la- lesser capacity. So we're creating an environment that they're back at the seaside and going to have fish and chips. When the fish and chips arrive, they're in the boxes, they've got the forks, we can put it onto a plate if need be. But the idea is is that the whole situation is authentic and reminiscent. We've built it into a mealtime experience. What we noticed is that people were eating more at lunchtime. Great, so we've got the calories in them and that's good. But where does it become outstanding? It's when we showed the track that actually those people at that night were sleeping better. We had less issues around um, aggravated or um, upset behavior. We had less issues about people waking up and wandering at night, even known wanderers or people that walked with purpose. So we had all of these processes to track that actually people had a better quality of night's sleep because they had a bigger and fuller meal. That was the impact because then we were able to show there were less slips, trips and falls and resident incidences first thing on a Saturday morning. That is how we got outstanding because of our food. And it's the journey that you start on right at the beginning to think, I'm gonna make dinner really interesting to proving that you're outstanding in your practice. And everyone does that, but your service will do that when there's a better meal, but there's a rhythm and there's a trend. So it's about spotting the trends around the food. How do I train my kitchen team, James? Cause do you know what? Once you've trained your carers, we do carer training, we do training around all of the chemicals in this and that, but your kitchen team, when was the last time you gave them any effective training? What can I do? Well, uh, the first
2: care home I went into in Cambridge um, was a care home, that, it was 76-bed care home, it had uh, nursing, dementia and residential respite and the kitchen was really uh, on, on, its, on its knees because it didn't have a kitchen manager. It had people that had been working in the kitchen for a couple of years and hadn't been managed because the doors closed and they were able to get away with whatever they wanted to do. And so there was this real process of building a team that was skilled, and that came from training day in, day out, looking at supporting people to learn skills in, in, the, in, the, in the kitchen, improving the, their understanding of cooking, getting people into the team that were able to want to be cooks. Because I mean, this is, this is the key thing. I mean, we're looking for skill out there, people who wanted to come into catering. Restaurants are struggling with that already. Care is seen as a slightly different thing in, in itself. And what we really want are people who are motivated to cook, who see the lifestyle as being something that it actually gives, you know, there's far more, press and I talk about this, there's way more um, satisfaction in working in care and providing food that people eat in that way. So it's about really structuring yourself in a way that it is a, it is a, it's a learning ex- experience by being on the day in learning new skills and, and applying things, which is what you do very well. You are always getting people to think about you know, let's go to was it Claridges? You took people to to go and do the afternoon tea, you, yeah. and and other things that you challenge on a daily basis. But if you can get the basic standards of cookery up to a certain level by having a team that isn't I do this job, I do this job, but everyone working together, you do way more within the within that particular area. This doesn't you know, when you've got someone caring in a domiciliary, so that's slightly different. You need a you know a, a slightly different approach. But within a care home, you can get those standards up to d- to deliver that that care and when the modification comes in for, for, for Idsey, we've that it's the idea of it not being something different or special it's an application of good cookery skills that should be there anyway for the menu that are now applied to specific textures of tenderness of size of, of whatever idzy is asking for for the level
1: Car- caroline have you got any thoughts on how to apply this to a, a setting in somebody's home
3: yeah, I do. And I think it comes back to the training, like I said before, not relying on e-learning, but face-to-face, practical, immersing staff, showing staff that fortification actually is really easy. Um, because if they're not used to doing that, it's another thing, God, what, what, what am I doing with this when they're short of time? But I think as well, engaging families, you know, going back to what we said about recording the height, weight, mustard, in having that conversation with the client and or family, whoever's most appropriate, getting them involved with this. Look, we're identifying this as a risk. Can you support us? Can you go in and you know, help with meal times? If you can't extend or put in extra visits, um, can can you do something to support us with this? And I think sort of help getting families involved in that care planning is how we try to mitigate that. I think Bruce sort of th- pondering I'm questions hovering, 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 I'm, I'm hovering, hovering questions. and inspired and stealing some more ideas, yes, which is what we love doing at the Outstanding Society. Can I hand the mic over to anyone who's got any questions? Yes,
0: hello. Uh, we've got a mixture of care homes and dom care, but we don't have any chefs, so I just wanted to ask we struggled to find any like training or any idea to kind of give the skill to our care staff about being a better chef when they are supporting people with cooking any tips
4: I, mean, I think it's ve- it's very challenging isn't it because you know your, your care workers we were having this conversation you need to be experts in every area and it's you know sometimes just not possible and you were saying the solution um, you know buying in uh, meals pre-prepared for that particular medical diet but it, it's being aware of, of the whole process in terms of it it's Yes, the, the the production of that food can be quite technical, but also being aware of, um, you know, during the heating process or before it's being served, if there's a delay, how that food is going to change, and also having a, a realistic, a realistic look at things and trying different strategies, um, you know, how all sorts of different um, residents with different needs, one lady that used to eat. You know, two tablespoons of food for her her main meal, and you know, how do you get you know a couple of thousand calories into someone when you know we, we were introducing meals, uh, you know, small snack-sized meals every hour and a half, and again, that's a challenge when you're in someone's home for a certain amount of time. But uh, having you know, having a realistic approach on things as well. If you're finding that uh, foods aren't being accepted by people, if someone's on a fortified diet, naturally things are going to be richer and heavier and creamy. If if, if they're not being accepted by someone it's better we reduce that creaminess and get some fortification into them none than none at all. So it, it's having uh, you know, a, a, a broad view on lots of different strategies to support that person. In terms of training practical training, it is very diff- very very difficult. you know there's, there's not a lot of um, uh, training uh, uh, training companies out there specifically, that, that, that provide training in this area. It's a very niche area. So my background was uh, was uh, hospitality beforehand. I found I find healthcare more challenging day in day out than cooking in Michelin starred restaurants because generally you, know, you, you you're there, you have less support. Um, you know the time it impacts the budgets. And it's all a so real challenge.
1: Can I add that if it's I, and I stress this with the with the previous example. So think about the entire dining experience. You've got the food covered. Uh, We're not going to be able to change the process of giving you kitchen or a kitchen staff overnight. What I can say is that you can change your dining and mealtime experience. So much around food is the same about, you know, when you pick a restaurant and when you have dinner, but, you know, there, there, there's passive eating, like for example, when you're in front of the television and when you're eating a little bit too much because you're distracted. But then we have protected meal times about uh, not having the TV on. But when I get old, if I don't have the telly on, I'm going to be bored and I'm not going to eat as much because I'll know I'll eat more. So it's about really knowing the individual and setting up a very much um, a dining experience that suits them. Um, it's the dignity around dining as well that sometimes is a barrier around how much people want to eat. So we, you know, last in Birmingham we, we showed off our clothing protectors that we make, and we make our clothing protectors that look like actual items of clothes, um, and they're a free pattern and a design that we have on our website. So anyone can make them, anyone can take them. We want people to steal them and use them. They're better than those bloody boiled wool bibs. That exist, which are completely undignified, and I bloody hate them. And that's not the word I wanted to use. Um, So, you've got options around dining dining experiences. So very much so, those are the things you can play around with and fix really quickly. It's on. Those things don't cost a lot. And they're yeah, all of those things are really very good value.
3: We've got time for one more question. If yep.
0: I work in a care home in Suffolk, um, mixed dementia residential, mainly dementia for me. My question is about retaining their interest and time to actually sit down and eat, because we've recently changed how we do the meals to include choice and sitting in the dining room. But they don't want to sit in the dining room, they don't want to sit down. So how do we retain that? So
1: so personally, if it was me, I look at the individual resident that we're caring for and work out what's going to work around them. We have a resident that walks with purpose, but part of their walking due to their dementia, they take themselves down to the floor and then right back up again, and they will do that every three or four steps. Now, is it feasible for me to have a member of my team walking behind that person with a sandwich all day. And is the only thing that that resident's ever gonna eat a sandwich because it's handheld, it's finger food. No, that's where you can get totally creative. And this is the sort of work that we do to motivate our kitchen team and say, what are you gonna come up with that's finger food, that's manageable, that the resident can take and walk and eat? Because if they don't wanna sit down and have a meal, they're not gonna sit down and have a meal. So what is what works for that individual? You look, you scope it out. Obviously, there's there's risk assessments maybe that need to be done. Whether you know you don't want somebody walking around with a bowl of soup. Um, yeah. But what can you do that that fits in with that individual resident um, based on that? So yeah, follow. So we've done ones where we have where we change the menu. So that individual gets very finger food items, even though the rest of the menu is sit down for the rest of the residents. It's easy enough for us to scope, so you flex um, around that one person. The other one is, what are the dining experiences that they're looking for? Is it? Do they want to sit in front of a television with a lap tray? Do they want to eat in bed? Um, because a lot of them is, we realize that our family-style dining goes down really well. So in our area of the home that we cater for residents that live with Alzheimer's and dementia, we created not a, not a clinical or even a care not a hotel style dining room we created a family dining room so it's what and ruth has amazing family dining rooms in in her in in the area in your memory centers right so it's definitely a family dining table it doesn't look like a care home table it's a a proper normal table and actual chairs there's a there's a cabinet of beans and tins and cans in the corner which is open because you've got that in your home and there's a hob an actual working induction hob. So it's about creating the atmosphere that you're actually in in the right space. So maybe then you'll be more prepared to accept a meal.
3: Just just to add to that, and and just want to come back to a point for you before, I think, no, no, it's it's fine. Sanjay said before about how how his meal times impacted or, or, or helped him achieve outstanding. So going back to looking at why that person walks for me, would be quite critical there, trying to establish patterns and, and what, what they are looking for. Because often people don't just wander, do they? They're looking for something. So I think going back to the drawing board, looking at that, investigating that, looking at what works, what doesn't work, and recording and documenting that, mm. I think it's really key there. And also we, we found not being afraid of repetition, because I know we've had, had multidisciplinary team meetings where families have been horrified that somebody who has historically been vegetarian has chosen to eat corned beef sandwiches three times a day. And they're, they're horrified about the meat, they're horrified that it's corned beef three times a day. But if that person is eating three times a day and that's what they're choosing to eat, that's far better than nothing. And then going back to the training, I think you know we work on low or small budgets, don't we, mm. often. And, and this training doesn't need to cost the earth. And we've looked at what our team strengths are And and we've got people that are good cooks. We've we've registered our office, um, so we've got a food hygiene rating now, and we've established just a very small kitchen. You know, it's not a a care home-type kitchen with with a couple of electric um, plug-in burners to do that training in-house. So it doesn't have to cost the earth. And going back to some of the basics around does music and, you know, background noise help or not but also the presentation of the meal because we all you know we've all seen white bread cheese on a white plate we've all seen that and that doesn't look appetizing
1: have you tried getting the resident to set the table that's a really great one we know people need to be prepared mm. mentally to accept the meal that's going to come for, for some of them it might be even about praying you might, have, you might not know that the resident was religious in the previous, previous time, so some of them might want to pray before they eat. And it's all of those things that you've set up so people know that they're going to receive food. So part of it, a really great one, especially if they're mobile, is asking the resident to help set the table because then they'll know dinner's coming or lunch is coming. Because you do that in your own home. So guys, thank you so much for paying attention with us today.
0: The Outstanding Society is a community interest company. It's free to join and is open to everyone. You don't need to have an outstanding rating to be a member.